Bridecast. I'm your host, Danielle Dupuy, and I use the pronouns she, her, hers. Um, today, joining us, um, we have three individuals who are the part of the uh, founders of HOCO for Justice, and I'm going to let them uh, introduce themselves. So, my name is Amara Rose. Um, I use the She Series. I am a 2018 graduate of Longreach High School and I am currently studying nursing at Stevenson University with a minor in psychology. My name is Jordan Malcolm. I am a rising senior at University of Maryland, Baltimore County, majoring in computer science, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, my name is Emma Kohansky. I use she, her, hers. I went to Appleton High School and I graduated it in um, 2019. Um, I go to Eckerd College, and I'm undecided. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Um, so I'm just curious, because you come from different places in Howard County. How, um, how did you all get together? Did you know each other before Poco for Justice? No. We did not. So how did you get together? Um, so one of the... Uh founding organizers who isn't here at the moment, Michaela, she actually, I went to high school with her um, and she reached out to me personally and asked me to be a part of organizing and possibly speaking at the protest that they were planning on having. Um, and then I guess she did the same for a few other people as well. And then I ended up just meeting all of these people, um, including Jordan and Emma, but prior to then, and had it not been for that call, I would not be here. So. Oh, wow. So Michaela was the instrumental in getting you all together for sure yeah yeah definitely Michaela's friend um Sarah actually who I went to high school with got me involved I knew of Michaela but I didn't know her personally um Mm -hmm. pretty much the same thing that happened with Lamar happened with me but through Sarah you guys all went old school with the uh telephone calls and so yeah yeah or was it text she had FaceTimed me actually, and it was like eleven o'clock at night. I was, I was like, "What is this?" You know, and she, like, you could tell though she was past. She's like, "No, like, I want you to do it. You should do it." I'm like, "I have," you know, and she's experienced in things like that. You know, she's like, if I were to think of one activist, it would definitely be Michaela. Um, mm-hmm. so I was just a little, not really uncomfortable, but it's something that I wasn't familiar with. Um, but again, like, I'm glad that I took that opportunity because I was able to meet all of these people that are not only like-minded to myself, but we're all passionate about the same things and fighting for them. Wow. So that was the, um, obviously the common thread that she knew that each of you would, um, contribute to the, um, the initial Hoko for Justice, um, protest. Mm-hmm. Um, what were each of your roles when, um, and if, if uh, one of you would like to share kind of a little bit for people that have are not familiar um, with kind of like what happened with that protest, um, which, by the way, was retweeted by Barack Obama. I mean, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. Um, I can talk about my role. We all kind of I think like we're bouncing around a lot and helping with kind of whatever was needed wherever we could. Mm-hmm. Um, I did stuff with the planning of the car caravan and the routes and things, um, getting supplies. There's, there was a bunch of different things that needed to happen that were just little that ended up putting it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it was kind of the same for me as well. I um I helped with the the volunteer portion, um putting like together bags and things like that, and then I ended up being thrown in the middle and helping with the uh what were they called? What were they called? It's on the tip of my tongue. Oh my gosh, marshals. There we go. Um, like we were helping with that, and then I was also one of the speakers, so that was like a huge thing because I had never spoken. I was at, I was in spelling bees, but I had never spoken <laughs> to people, so that was really nerve wracking. But yeah, yeah. The main thing that I um, participated in was with the marshalling. Um, we actually had a, like a training the night before, just so everyone could learn like how to deescalate um how to make sure that basically just everything went smoothly during the march and then once we got to our destination um yeah so that's pretty much what i did i was also um a police liaison which didn't ended up didn't end up being needed but i would have been one of the people talking to the police if we had been like stopped or anything and I mean, I think that was very forward thinking, too, in planning of, you know, what if things get out of control? Like, what do we do? Um, so I think one of the awesome things about you know, Howard County is that everybody was um, well behaved and there to listen and learn and to be part of something uh, greater than themselves. Um, I mean, what what did that feel like, um, you know, being part of that? um, that protest that day? Um, for me personally, it was, uh, a roller coaster of emotions, right? I mean, it depends on what aspect of the protest you're referring to. The actual marching portion was kind of like, um, I don't want to say exciting, but it, it kind of was, you know, you, you were just surrounded by a community of people, like I said, that we're all fighting for the same things as you. And, you know, we're protesting, we have our, our big megaphones and, you know, we're marching there. And then when you get there um, and you start having the speakers come up and the victims, and then we, at one point we opened up the crowd. Um, so just listening to their stories, that that was like a different wave of emotions. It was like solemn almost. Like even the crowd, they were silent. You know, they, we had multiple moments of silences. It was just like, wow, like you can't even say anything to that. Um, overall though, like it, it was, it was an accomplishing feeling, but it was also kind of sad, you know, like I don't think I could really pinpoint one emotion to describe that entire day because there were so many um but again i'm just speaking for myself so no i agree i think that i couldn't really like label it with one thing because there were points when it was like really hectic and i think there were all points where we thought like maybe this won't go well but i think that by the end it was like really powerful or like during the during the uh, speakers section and like Mara said the moments of silence like people were really there to support the community and to listen like you said to listen and learn um, but I thought it was really powerful that we made something that big yeah for sure yeah I definitely agree with what they said and it was also just really inspiring because I don't think I've ever seen the Howard County community show up like that. Yeah. Um, like I had protested there a few years in 2016 and the turnout was probably less than 50 people. And then f a couple years later to have a record number of people come out and protest was just really inspiring to me. And it showed that people were 
getting educated. They were advocating. They were speaking up and coming out and showing up. And yeah, it was really inspiring. Now, you mentioned that um, that you were part of a protest a couple of years ago. What was that protest about? Yeah, so it was also a Black Lives Matter protest that we had at the Columbia Mall. Um, and basically, we went through the mall um, and we were we were doing our chants, um, and then we actually shut down the road outside of the mall. We had a, we laid down on the road. Um, yeah, but it was, it was the same message, um, which really just echoes like what I was saying that this time people really showed up. Mm -hmm. Well, I know, um, at my school at Hammond, uh, a couple years ago, um, they, several students organized a school walkout. Um, that we had filmed and, and put online, what have you, and a number, quite a few of the uh, students participated, but that was during the school day, so it was a little different. Um, so, so it sounds like you've been involved in uh, activism for, for quite a while now. Yeah, um, and there was also a walkout at Mount Hebron while I was there, um, and definitely that was a different turnout as well. Um, and I think it's really interesting in Howard County, the different, uh, demographics of the schools and the ways that they respond to different incidents, like involving race. Um, I can speak from personal experience, like the walkout that we had at Mount Hebron was because of a video that came out of a student saying different racist remarks, um, so yeah, it's it's very interesting just the community's response to different things that happen. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think has changed between a couple of years ago and having only you know let's say fifty people show up to um, the protest as opposed to now, several years later, where you have thousands of people um, marching and listening and you know. Uh, you had a whole, how many speakers did you have on that event? Like it was like 20, 20 speakers, wasn't it? Or I think it was around 20. Might've been a yeah. few more. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you think has changed? Like, are you saying between the, like, the 50 protests to now? Like why, like what, what changed in between no, them? I mean, like, in, the last, in the last couple of years, um, cause Jordan was saying that, um, you know, a couple years ago, kind of like doing a similar thing, but only 50 people showing up. And now, you know, doing a similar protest, it's so much larger and so many more people are involved. Right. Um, what do we think has changed? Because it's, I mean, uh, this sounds awful, but I mean, people, you know, we've been seeing in the news, you know, black people dying by the hands of the police, yeah. you know, for a long time. And why is it now all of a sudden that people are, you know, stepping up even more? and more interested now? I think the first thing that pops into my head is definitely social media, right? I mean, if you think, of course we had social media, you know, a few years ago, but it wasn't used to the heightened extent that it's used now. Also, mm -hmm. if you just think about the recent circumstances, right, we've all been confined to our homes using and mm -hmm. relying on internet access. So we have to see these things. It's in our faces every single day. Um, so people are being forced to educate themselves. I mean, on, not even a matter of force, they're willingly, some of these people are willingly educating themselves and it's motivating them to get out there and fight for the right thing. And, you know, I've seen 
things floating around too, that it's like these things have been going on for hundreds of years. It's just that the veil is now being taken off, right? So I think it's just a matter of, um, like I said, us confined to our homes and all, you know, on our phones, on the internet, looking at the news all day. Um, like you said, you also have the unfortunate chain of recent events that seemingly never ends. You wake up every morning and it seems like a Black person is getting lynched somewhere. Um, so it's just the prevalence of brutality now in comparison to how, it, of course, there were brutalities then, but it wasn't to the extent that they have been recently. So I just honestly think it's a culmination of things that has caused, you know, that caused that many people to come out. Mm -hmm. I really agree with what Amara said. And I also think that one of the other factors that goes into it is a couple years ago, like the people that are our age were younger. Mm -hmm. And like Amara said, social media is much more like intense than it used to be. And so now that like a lot of us are adults and even there are young people out there fighting, I'm not discrediting them in any way, but I think that's something that got us like, like we're older now, we have more space to say things, if that makes sense. Yes, that does make total and complete sense. Um, and I think it's probably also... Uh, maybe easier to get around to. You might not have the transportation when you were, uh, you know, in high school as well. Um, you know, it's very interesting as, um, you know, as you were talking and I was listening, Amara, um, it made me kind of think a little bit too about um, being in a school, being an educator in a school, what it was like being a student in a school. Um, you know, a lot of times I see kids, you know, if there's a fight or something that happens in school, you know, what is the automatic response? And the automatic response is that kids, some, most kids will pull out a phone and start filming. And I think that on the one standpoint that I think I've always been on has been like, you know, don't do that because, you know, you could be, you know, that kid that made that decision of starting that fight, you know, that would be very damaging for them in their future. Um, but then at the same time, it's like, without those things filmed and, you know, seeing what's happening, we would have never been able to kind of actually witness a lot of the injustice that we've been um, exposed to through, um, you know, people filming it because it wouldn't have been filmed otherwise. We wouldn't have seen it otherwise. Um, and I think that it's also horrible that we've been hearing about injustice, but a lot of times, um, you know, that whole seeing is believing thing and to have it be in a lot of people's faces now, um, I think it's made it more tangible for them to understand. Um, I don't know. What are you guys thoughts on the, on filming and, um, cell phones and the, um, kind of like making it more public. They definitely have mixed feelings. I feel like I like I agree with what you said, you know, right? Like it's there's always consequences that you have to think of to posting things, but I do think that in regards to you know, LGBTQ and any instances that happen between minority populations, recording and sharing information is a way of holding people accountable. So at the end of the day, I don't think that we should stop recording. We should start recording more and of course, like you said, 
well, what about the person on the other end who doesn't want that to be shown to the world? Well, it might help more people than it helps them, you know? So I don't know. I, I also have mixed feelings, but at the end of the day, I do feel like it primarily holds people accountable. I also think that like the thing about the other person not wanting it to be posted or anything like the, I'm sure that the police officers that weren't, um, killing and witnessing the killing of George Floyd did not want that to be posted on the internet because, I mean, not that police necessarily get consequences because of videos, but it increases the chances at least a little bit. Um, there was also Eric Garner's um, killers, or the person who videotaped Eric Garner being killed was like, horribly treated after he was arrested for taking that video so i agree with what you're saying that there's um it like can be dangerous to take videos because they tortured him in prison like they tried to get him killed to kill himself Mm -hmm. left right up and down like they were trying really hard so i think you're right that it has two sides yeah um i definitely think that people should keep recording these things that happen um and when I think about it I just think about all of the things that weren't recorded and all of the people who didn't get justice for what happened to them um because there wasn't concrete evidence of you know their mistreatment or the brutality that they faced um so yeah I definitely think recording things is very essential especially modern day um what uh <clears throat> what has been kind of like the vibe um when each of you was in high school um since you went to you each went to three different schools I'm trying to recall was it Mount Heb there's Mount Hebron Longreach and what was the third school Athelton Athelton all right so three different high schools um what was kind of your experience as far as um LGBTQ acceptance, um, as far as, um, how, uh, acceptance of, um, by, uh, BIPOC people, um, what, you know, what was the vibe? Was there ever an issue? Did you feel comfortable in your schools? Like, um, um, is I there w- anything we can work on to do better? Personally, I so at Longreach around the well, my freshman year, I vividly recall <clears throat> like 2014 was kind of that year where, as a whole society, people were starting to be more inclusive, especially towards LGBTQ. Um, so I know that they we had actually like started the um the GSA that year, and I wasn't directly involved in it. Um, but again, like as a minority, as a black woman, like I advocated for those people and I felt for them. Um, but I don't really, like, there weren't really moments that I can vividly recall, like, of students, you know, attacking another LGBTQ individual or, you know, POC or anything like that, because for the most part, Longreach was an extremely diverse school, and um, I, my mom was actually on the PTA, and I know she said that when she went to PTA meetings, they referred to Longreach, and this is kind of irrelevant, but I'll make it all tie together, um, that Longreach, Hammond, Oakland Mills, and I think Wild Lake, the PTA themselves actually referred to those four Howard County schools as inner city schools because of the prevalence of 
Latino and black students in those schools and, you know, LGBTQ. So it's just like for you guys to collect, you know, just basically put four schools in a box because of the prevalence of minority populations is kind of mind boggling to me. But I think that because there was such a prevalence, we it made us stronger, you know, as a community and we supported each other more than some other schools may have in Howard County. Mm -hmm. What about Emma and Jordan? What was your uh, experience? Yeah, I didn't come out until junior year, but I think what made it easy for me was how accepting my friends were. So I knew that they had my back. Um, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't really experience anything, honestly, um, at Mount Hebron. Um, but I will say there were like a few incidents at parties where people would say um, like insensitive things um, about the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely outside of the school setting, there were a few incidents. Uh, but in school, I did not experience anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not out at all in high school, but I have since come out experienced a lot of internalized homophobia from people that I did go to high school with. Hmm. Um, but I don't think that it was like the fault of the high school. I think that they just like really didn't know that they were being offensive in what they were saying mm. um but in high school I didn't really see much like many attacks or any I don't think I think those are all that's all positive um you know I hopefully that people are going to be more accepting and I think with the you know with uh with your generation and younger generations that um kids are generally more accepting um, than what, you know, what they've been taught or what they've uh, experienced from older adults, um, at least in my, from my experience. Um, And I think it's so cool that um, all three of you kind of just stepped up and were like, okay, hey, you know, uh, Michaela's doing this thing or Sarah, you know, you, you got a call and you're just like, all right, we got the call to action and we're, we're going to do it. And we're, we're, you know, um, we're going to help out and, you know, speak and help, uh, rally, um, people. And so what are your, your next steps for HOCO for justice? I mean, how many, you know, I know that you have several things going on right now with the, um, you have some signs going on and there's going to be another, I think another another rally did i read that yeah so i know what we're doing right now we're basically every day doing a different event for juneteenth mm-hmm. so that's what our focus is for this week and then i know moving past that we're then gonna uh do some different things for pride month um especially bring uh like black trans issues into the center of our conversation for that uh, we we have a, we honestly have a lot of things going on, like different things with policy. A lot of people from Howard County want to meet with different members of the organization. They want to have conversations. They want to make change locally. So um, it's a it's a very exciting time. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I mean, it's so exciting for uh, for all of you to be so involved in this. 
um, what are some of the plans for um, the future for the um, for the policy and change? Do you think that'll be like a, a countywide or um, a school system wide or statewide or uh, even broader than that? I think that we're bouncing around really between all the areas of like local school system, state, I guess national. Um, we're really just trying to, we haven't, we haven't broken it down into categories like that yet. We're kind of more just like reading up on what's happening. Um, seeing like where people need our help right now. So like, I know that, we're working with the Howard County Immigration Coalition, I believe it's called, mm-hmm. or Coalition for Immigration, one of those two. Um, and they're having they're having a protest on the 22nd. I think they're trying to do a die-in, like Jordan had mentioned um, she did in 2014, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like one thing we're doing along with the other things. To kind of piggyback off of Emma, I don't think that we have really, and I even had a conversation with one of the other members on last night on the phone. As she was saying, she's because we, we she said something about like our followers, and she's like, "Well, isn't there like a cap? You know, how many people are going to follow us?" I said, "Absolutely not. Like, I feel like we shouldn't limit ourselves as to who we want to hear our voice. And if it's at a national, like, it's already. I mean, technically, it's already at a national level. We have Barack Obama retweeting us. I mean, you know, like, so mm-hmm. I think that." The focus, like she said, is to help people locally, but obviously the more people that we reach out to, they talk to other people, we get, you know, so I think that it's, we don't know, but I'm ready for whatever, whatever comes, so. Um, now, how the uh, the original uh, protest was on, I believe, was it June, June 2nd, was it? I think it was yes. June. Yeah. June 2nd. Um how much advance time did you have to kind of prepare for that first protest? 72 hours. Like literally she called me, she called me, yeah, three days prior to, and that was like, what was it? Was it? She called me Thursday night. I gave her an answer Friday, Friday, Saturday. So maybe four, four days, but it like, it wasn't like, you know, something that we had all met. Like I said, we literally met each other that same weekend, started planning that same weekend and didn't see each other physically until person the day of the protest. Wow. And in four days, you yeah. get like so many thousands of people together. That is just amazing. Yeah. From start to finish, it was, it was literally five days. Um, but I definitely think social media just totally took off and, just really helped to bring people out. So as I guess, so I hear the the social media coming up a lot. Um, Now, are any of you majoring in communications or marketing, or have you had any of that kind of experience in any of your studies in in school? I don't think any of us have. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. I don't know. Like I said, I'm a nursing. I mean, Kind of to an not really like I don't have any classes per se, but I mean you do have to learn how to communicate with all different types of people going into the medical field. Um, that's you know that's all different types of information you have to relay. So I think that through nursing, like you know we have had to take like writing intensive courses and stuff, and I had to take a business ethics class. So like there's a few classes that I've taken that have pertained to 
um, you know, talking and communications, but specifically, no, I don't think we have anybody that's like their focus. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I mean, personally, you know, I've been on social media since I was probably 10 years old. I think I I got a Facebook before I was really supposed to, but I think I had one when I was 10. Um, and we all we all grew up with social media. Um, like I, I know how it works type of thing. Um, so it's, yeah, we just all are kind of using this experience that we have from our own use of social media. And I think that really helped us to gather a lot of attention for the event. So I'm just curious, you know, not that this is a popularity contest or anything, but like how many, like, friends or like followers do you have on let's say like uh instagram or i don't do you guys instagram twitter facebook snapchat yeah all of them all of them them. or i yeah yeah (laughs) okay and so like how many followers or friends would you have on like one of those accounts uh like sorry jordan go ahead no you go ahead you go ahead I have like a thousand followers on Instagram and like a hundred twenty something followers on Twitter. Like I don't have that big of a following on any of my social medias, really. Well, a thousand seems like a lot to me. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a couple thousand on my Instagram, but that's my largest following out of all my platforms. So that's definitely like the one that I'm. I know the best. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I see. I'm a very uh in, introverted person, so I actually I just made a Twitter like a few days ago. I have 42 followers on Twitter <laughs> and 700 something on Instagram, which I also feel like isn't a lot because um, I'm again a very private person. But yeah, I mean, I kind of just let I relay information to people who I think will support. And surprisingly, I I can honestly say that of my 700 Instagram followers, like at least 150 of them showed up. Like I know for a fact. I saw a good amount of yeah. there. So like we knew, you know, going into this that the best and easiest way to get people out there was definitely gonna be through Instagram and Twitter. Just easy retweet, easy repost. So mm-hmm. So it was the um kind of like just relying on people to share and then rely on people to like reshare and repost and invite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like there were I definitely oh, sorry. So like I know people from Towson, like we're you know like we're all from we went to we're going to different colleges too. So there's people from all counties representing. Mm-hmm. That's really really awesome, and I think just a really cool kind of like lesson for you know for the you know for the the high schoolers that are out there now. Like okay, cool, you know like this is how you can use social media to your advantage to kind of gather people and um, you know, uh, put, get the word out. Um, and I think it also just kind of speaks volumes too about how important it is to have, uh, to be able to collaborate and, um, you know, communicate effectively with, uh, to, to organize and put together that team. And, you know, I mean, gosh, you guys did an awesome job. So, you know, I don't think I could say that enough. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm sure your teachers are like kind of like beaming from like ear to ear. Like I taught that kid, you know, like that's one of mine, you know, one of my students. 
Um, and I'm sure your parents and family members are super proud of you too. So, um, so awesome job. Um, so what's the experience been like in, in college? Um, so we have Amara, you're going into, um, nursing, I believe. Yeah. So I'm going into, it's kind of complicated. I mean, I'm not really embarrassed. I'm basically on a five-year plan now. Uh, cause you know, I'm the, I'm the part of that statistic that took my freshman year to kind of not focus on what I should have been focused on right so I would I would be starting my clinicals as a junior this semester this coming fall semester um but instead that I went ahead and minored and I'm just kind of utilizing that time to educate myself more so I actually don't start clinicals until next year but yes I am taking I'm in a four-year program so I'm taking nursing classes currently okay awesome um what's been your favorite part of that so far um, I, I don't, I don't know. I just love learning. Like I, that sounds so nerdy, but I just, I've always been passionate about helping people, especially, um, in medical fields. So I think that just the more I learn, the more excited that I get to like actually apply it in the hospital, which is why I was a little disappointed this semester, but I couldn't, but, um, yeah, just like the learning about, you know, not, it's like you're learning about your body, but also about how to navigate other people's bodies when they can't help themselves. Um, so that and just meeting people like I've again I've never really been into talking to people I just kind of minded my own business but even being involved in HOCO for Justice like I have plans to go in this fall semester and you know present some ideas to a few different clubs if not start one myself so I'm definitely it's it's a small school as well so there's like 3,000 students so it's easier for me to kind of connect with the students and the administrators like the staff is great I love small small class setting um so yeah I, I would my experience so far has been pretty pleasant oh that's so cool and then how your experience with hoco for justice is you know you're going to be branching out and you know hopefully other people do the same and then pretty soon you know everybody's going to be um working together and you're going to be pulling your resources even more. yeah that's for awesome. sure um and uh Jordan, uh, you said you were majoring in um, comp sci. How's that? How's that going at UMBC? Yeah, um, yeah, it's going really well, actually. Um, I'm currently interning right now at a company. Um, so yeah, and tech tech is its own it's its own space. So um, that always has different things that come along with it. Uh, but, uh, so, so far I've had a really great experience. Yeah. Awesome. And how about you, Emma? Um, my school's also small. It's like 2000 kids. Um, a lot of them are gay, so that's like comforting. Oh, cool. (laughs) Um, I've been taking like mostly religion along with my like core classes because I don't know what I'm going to major in. Um, I've been taking religion and visual arts classes is like kind of the direction I'm heading in. That's an interesting combination. Yeah. Um <laughs> they don't really go together, but I guess they could. <laughs> um I'm also on my school's emergency medical response team. So, um I don't I'm not really interested in like going into medical into the medical field, but I'm going to get my EMT license. I mean, that's in the medical field, but I don't want to like be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that that's a really cool way to help people. I am like Amara. I really like to help people. Part of why I don't know what to major in because I don't know what's going to 
do the best thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's been fun. That's cool. Now you have a lot of events for um, Hoko for Justice for this month. Um, what's going to happen? I know Mara, you talked about maybe starting uh, kind of like branching out once you go back to uh, Stevenson. Um, but what are the future plans for Hoko for Justice? Do you think that, um, you know, are you going to make it into like a nonprofit or um, kind of like, how are you going to um, move forward uh, with the community? Yeah, we've definitely been having different discussions on uh, whether or not we want to become a nonprofit, um, all the whole process that you have to go through for that. Um, I definitely think, you know, planning for the protest was a lot. That was like five days straight of constantly uh, working on that. And it's really stressful because you're basically planning mainly for people's safety. Um, So that's a lot of pressure. Um, And then the protest happened and then it was a huge success. And now I think we all just kind of need to take a breath. Um, So we're with this whole Juneteenth week, we're kind of like getting back into it. Um, And then I think from here, we're really going to figure out exactly what we want to do with this platform that we now have. Mm-hmm. Um, I know personally, I definitely want to focus on curricular reform, and that's something that we definitely want to look into within Howard County schools, um, because, like, I'm sure, as you know, like, history classes are, like, very Eurocentric, um, so we definitely want it to be, like, a very inclusive curriculum, um, so that's just, like, one thing that we're talking about, and hoping to have an impact on in the future. I think that would be awesome. Um, yeah, you definitely, uh, I guess, would need to talk to the uh, curricular offices. And um, would you be involved in kind of like the writing of the curriculum, do you think? Or offering like the subject matter? or? Um... Yeah. Um, well, I can only, I can only speak personally because we haven't really... Um like gone through the plans for this but I, w- I would definitely I have experience writing curriculum so I would definitely be very interested in um helping with that I think that education is definitely something especially with what we're seeing right now education is literally like opening people's eyes to what is going on in this country mm-hmm. um and that's something that begins in school um and you know when all you see about black people is that they were enslaved um, and you don't see the rich history that they have, that definitely shapes the ideas that you have in your mind, right? Um, so that's definitely just something that really needs to be changed in the classroom. Definitely. I agree. Um, you know, it's uh, interesting. Uh, I was just reading a Facebook post, um, and someone had, you know, made a comment uh, uh she actually not just someone uh nikki grimes are you familiar with her she's a a author and a poet um but she um had written a a comment um about you know a friend's daughter who was white not understanding why you know people would be hateful or hurtful to someone whose skin is brown and um you know and she had said that racism is a something that children learn and that they're not born with 
and it got me to thinking a little bit about my my own kids. I have three kids, and um, one of my twins, they're four, asked me just a couple months ago. He was just like, you know, hey, mama, how come you know how come nobody in our family is brown? And I was just like, oh, well, you know, that's a good question. You know, kind of, it's, um, you know, it's genetics. And, um, you know, trying to explain genetics to a four-year-old is a little difficult. Um, but anyway, it got me to thinking a little bit more about kind of like his friends in school and how we were very particular on picking a school to make sure that, you know, that there would be uh, different cultures and different races um, and, you know, kind of, having uh, different kids there for our children to kind of grow up with and learn with and learn from. Um, and also other kids to learn from our kids too, considering we're a two mom household. Um, you know, I think that it's important to have a lot of diversity, um, you know, with kids, because when you think about it, uh, or when I thought about it, as when I was growing up, I went to school with mostly with white kids. And when I think about a lot of um, conversations or other people's actions and reactions, it all comes kind of out of fear. You know, people are afraid. And what makes people afraid? People are afraid because they have a lack of understanding and a lack of education and a lack of empathy. And it's because when you don't, when you're not exposed to or live with or are around people of, you know, that have different views or different experiences from your own, it's very difficult to understand. Um, and then, you know, you kind of make assumptions about people or um, have miscommunication and then this kind of hate sort of festers in. So while on one hand, I feel like racism is definitely learned from, uh, you know, from other people that the microaggressions and the uh, comments and the jokes and what have you definitely play a role, but so does all the unspoken things, um, you know, that we don't experience and, um, why it's so important to, you know, reach outside the box and learn and listen. I appreciate everything that y'all are doing. And, um, I just hope that you guys continue to do what you're doing and continue to inspire, inspire people because you are creating amazing change. And I know that maybe it wasn't necessarily on your agenda, um, to do, but you know, you're making it happen. And it's just, I think it's really cool right now to be a witness to see people waking up and paying attention and demanding action and taking action. And, you know, I think before people were too scared or too nervous and Amara, I know, like you said that you're kind of more of a private person, but I mean, for you to just come out of your shell and speak and share and just encourage others. I think that that's really just such a phenomenal thing. So I, want to thank each of you for for taking that on because it's amazing yeah for sure and I was definitely gonna say you know like I commend you for representing you know and being a voice for not just yourself and your kids but your students you know like that's that's I know that that's also a lot of responsibility and you you possibly and probably do face backlash from people 
for doing what you're doing. So I want you to know that you're definitely recognized and appreciated in this community just as much as we are. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, well, I appreciate each of you coming on and uh, chit-chatting. Now, there was one one last thing. Do you find it a coincidence or not a coincidence that there are three LGBTQ+, possibly even more, involved in HOKO for Justice and that you kind of all just, like, stepped up and, like, took this on and, you know, just, like, ran with it? I mean... Is that, is that, is that kind of a... I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that, honestly, like, we all, like, we're all in a minority population, right? And the Mm -hmm. desegregation and the abolition of racism in one minority population is going to necessitate the support and the involvement of every other minority population. You know, like, you can't say Black Lives Matter without saying that Black trans lives matter, which then means that you can't say that LGBTQ lives don't matter. So it's just like a chain of minority populations that have all come together. And, you know, so I I don't think it's a coincidence at all. No. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. That was a that was an awesome statement. That's a that's a great quote, actually. Um, Well, thank you all so much for joining us uh, this evening on the podcast and for your work for um, people of color and the uh, LGBTQ population and all the minority populations. Um, I know that uh, we're going to continue to see more uh, from you, each of you, and um, I can't wait to see what uh, you know what you guys are doing in the next um, month, two months, year. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. To learn more about how you can get involved. Check out Hoko for Justice on social media at Hoko for Justice. The music featured at the start and end of our podcast is Work by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0.